0: Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. We have an emergency podcast recording Sunday night. I'm Matt Baker. With me is Zach Mabry. Zach, it's been a wild 24 hours. We've been talking about it all day, just like everybody else has. Forgive me on the pronunciation, but is it Vagano? We're going to go with Vagano. Okay. I wanted to get that clear before we start saying his name a bunch yeah, of times. Yeah, if we're wrong, this is going to sound
1: like such a dumb episode, but I believe it's Vagano.
0: Okay, cool. If it's wrong, you can tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at, hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at, Zach Mabry, Z A C Mabry. Email us, podcast, at com. You can find us on iTunes. Rate and review us if you want and have the time. You can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else podcasts are located. All right, Zach, where do we begin? Well, I mean, I guess we can give a little bit of a back story.
1: Um, so Archbishop Vagano mm-hmm. is the former nuncio. Um, to Washington, D.C. Right. And basically, that's kind of like being the ambassador from the Pope. Um, And so he served under both Benedict and Pope Francis. Um, And he's no longer in that role, though, so he's effectively retired. He's about 77 years old. Okay. Um, He put out an 11-page...
0: Testimony, Right. This is yesterday Um, afternoon, Saturday afternoon slash evening. Yes. Um, And it
1: just kind of blew up because he names a lot of names um, and really just sort of goes there talking about who knew about the allegations involving Theodore McCarrick and, you know, when they knew and, and how things were covered up. And, you know, he he really just goes into great detail into what
0: what he knows. Right. So this is basically someone accusing Pope Francis of cover-up. This is an nuncio right. so coming out.
1: The, the most shocking point of the the whole piece is that he, he um, yeah, I mean, he accuses Pope Francis of, of participating in covering up the Situation with Cardinal McCarrick, mm-hmm. um, basically saying that under Pope Benedict, you know, the uh, there had been credit, credible allegations against McCarrick, and he had been censured and and you know punished, and had restrictions placed on him, and that once Pope Francis became pope, those restrictions uh, were removed, and he was able to continue going about his business, and and the Pope knew when he did that about the abuses
0: committed by McCarrick. Right. Right. They think this is, this is, it's not often that a former nuncio accuses a Pope of cover up. I'm not sure it's actually happened before I was texting with a priest earlier and he seemed to think it hadn't happened. So yeah, this is a, this is serious stuff. One of the, the, yeah, the timeline of things. Now there's a lot. I'm, I'm still kind of, not reading through it, but trying to piece things together, you're fresh off reading it. Um, I initially, it, it, this letter, obviously we rush to one side or the other, right? So people who think that Pope Francis was a bad Pope are automatically going to use this to justify that. And we've seen Pope Francis's loyal defenders have basically come out guns a defending him. Um, it's, I, I honestly don't know where I'm at currently with this because it is a lot. Right. And the thing about uh, Vagano is he, I think he's even stated he's well aware of the downfall on his soul that can happen if he, if he's lying about this, right? Like he literally will have actual hell to pay if he's coming after a, a current Pope with allegations like this. That's the, right. That's the first thing when I was reading it is you don't, you don't just do this for political gain, right? This is not, this is not a typical power move. Power, power moves are Usually done in back rooms, right? And they're done trying to get people on your side. They're get done trying to get people to agree with you. You, you're, you're the smart play is to never come right out with an explosive letter like this. That was my initial reaction. Yes, no, I think that's a
1: good reaction. I mean, and kind of like you said, um, people who you know before yesterday liked or disliked Pope Francis, sort of maybe decided how they were gonna to react to the letter based on where they stood. And I well I think that's a possibility and, and so it's um it's something I think we need to to watch out for. I mean, the important point to all of this is is are the allegations true or not? Mm-hmm. Um not, you know, do I like a morse or, you know, you know, whatever else has gone on during this papacy. Um, you know, I mean, I posted on Twitter a an article from the Huffington Post from 2014 talking about how, you know, Pope Benedict had basically put McCarrick out to pasture and Francis had restored him. Right. So I, you know, I think that part of the allegation is, is pretty much, it's hard to argue that the, even the secular press picked up on the change in status for Cardinal McCarrick. Mm-hmm. Um, after Pope Francis was made Pope, but at the same time, you kind of have to wonder you know it doesn 't say why Pope Benedict kind of got rid of him, mm-hmm. and it doesn 't say why Pope Francis restored him, so you know one one explanation is that Pope Benedict you know restrict put those restrictions on him because of his you know the abuse right. and and that Pope Francis knew this when he lifted them, but, you know, it, it could be any other number of things. Um, and so, yeah, and then the other thing that you said that I think is really important to point out is that, you know, this letter from the Archbishop, um, it, it does seem to be, among the hierarchy, one of the sort of a exception from some of the other statements that he, he does seem genuinely concerned about, you know, what, what will be, you know, about his, about his judgment, basically, you know, what at his particular judgment, when he has to face God and give an account for, you know, his life, what will he have to, you know, own up to. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that that's somewhat refreshing that, you know, he understands the grave responsibility that he has,
0: and that, you know, yeah, this could impact his eternal salvation right he, he mentions in the letter, actually where you're saying that I came upon that part where you, he talks about his conscience requires him to reveal facts right that he's experienced personally, so he's he, he's well aware of in he's he's been around he's been around a long time he's probably seen a bunch of stuff, right now we can get into how much you're supposed to see and what you're supposed to say. And that I get, I kind of get that argument, but at the same time, like now's the time for people to speak up and he feels compelled to do that. He goes in here and he, 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 like you said, he names names and he, he basically comes out and says that there's no way that these people could not have known what was going on now there are cardinals Le Jolo and Memberti. i'm this is it just is is a warning we're going to probably butcher a bunch of names so but <laughs> he he's, it, he says, nor could these cardinals have failed to know so he it's it's not only putting people in places and times but he's also saying like when these people tell you they couldn't have known it is almost impossible right so right it's I'm it doesn't sound vindictive it doesn't sound like this was a guy who was bullied or was kind of you know put in places he didn't want to be and now he's just coming out with a bunch of hot takes like you can you can probably argue that because it's such an explosive letter but he's just kind of saying he's just kind of saying what we wanted someone to say. We wanted someone to say, "There's no way you couldn't have known that," right? Right. Well, and that's what I mean. Hopefully, this is the first of of several
1: similar letters that come out where this stuff really does start to flood. I mean, that's what I've I've kind of thought is that once you know somebody comes out and says, "Okay, here's the thing," I this person, this person, this person, yada yada, that it would hopefully kind of be a a train a chain reaction and you know not because i want these bad things to have happened i mean mm-hmm. it, i'm horrified by this stuff but you know knowing that it has happened i mean the only way forward is is to actually address it all head on and so you know how else do we do that right yeah it's um what were you gonna say Go. oh i was just gonna point out that so i mean you know i mean just to play devil's advocate okay. um the fact that these people should have known and that it would be ludicrous to say that they didn't know is not proof that they knew. Right. But, as I've said before, I think not knowing when... I mean, not knowing when you're supposed to know is still bad, you know? (laughs) Sure. I mean, being, being so close to all of these abuses and scandals and... And not knowing, I mean, were people? Why didn't people feel comfortable coming to you to report the abuses that were happening? You know, why? Why didn't you know? Well, it's Um, like with cardinal world. Were you woefully ignorant? Did you, you know, turn a blind eye? I mean, yeah, I just don't think that not knowing completely absolves some of these people. Now, obviously, a cardinal in the United States committing abuse in seminary—I don't think there's any reason that the Pope necessarily knows that unless somebody tells him. Right. You know, and that's basically what. the Archbishop Vagano is saying is that he told the Pope. And, um, but besides that, I mean, you know, that doesn't necessarily make it all around the world, but the, you know, the other bishops in the diocese and other people who knew McCarrick or, or everything, why didn't they, why wouldn't they know?
0: Right. So that's kind of the Cardinal world thing about how at first with McCarrick, he came out, was like, I was not aware of these payments. Well, that's a whole separate issue, right? It's not, that's not an excuse as much as it is 1B to your 1A. There's, mm-hmm. here, here, I'm going to read a paragraph that kind of out of the letter that kind of says okay. that exact thing, okay? It is absolutely unthinkable okay. that Nuncio Sambi, who was an extremely responsible person, loyal, direct, and explicit in his way of being, did not speak to him about it. This is Cardinal Worrell. In any case, I myself brought up the subject with Cardinal worrell on several occasions, and I certainly didn't need to go into detail because it was immediately clear to me that he was fully aware of it. I also remember in particular the fact that I had to draw his attention to it because I realized that in an archdiocesan publication, on the back cover in color, there was an announcement inviting young men who thought they had a vocation to the priesthood to a meeting with Cardinal McCarrick. I immediately, yeah, I immediately phoned Cardinal Worl, who expressed his surprise to me, telling me that he knew nothing about that announcement and that he would cancel it. If, as he now continues to state, he knew nothing of the abuses committed by McCarrick and the measures taken by Pope Benedict, how can his answer be explained? His recent statements that he knew nothing about it, even though at first he cunningly referred to compensation for the two victims, are absolutely laughable. The cardinal lies shamelessly and prevails upon his Chancellor, Monsignor Anton Antonicelli, to lie as well. Um yeah, I mean that's ins- that's yeah. When you like how can you not I, I started to, I started shaking halfway through reading that because it was just so like to it's one thing to read it, you know it's one thing to read it silently, it's another thing to actually read it out loud. It's, right. That's that's kind of the theme that I think we're going to see a bunch is these cardinals being in position where they clearly should know about things, and then them saying, "Well, I, you know, it, it's a big world. I can't be aware of everything everyone's doing at all times." It's it's gonna it that's gonna keep being the excuse. We're gonna hear that over and over. Right. We are. He goes on to say Cardinal Kevin Farrell, who was recently interviewed by the media, also said that he didn't have the slightest idea about the abuses committed by McCarrick. Given his tenure in Washington, Dallas, and now Rome, I think no one can honestly believe him. I don't know if he was ever asked if he knew about Macelle's crimes. If he were to deny this, would anybody believe him given that he occupied positions of responsibility as a member of the Legionnaires of Christ? That's Kind of what we were talking about a few weeks ago, Zach. Of Cardinal Farrell, right? Just I mean, just been pointing in... out
1: the the two different times where Cardinal Farrell was very close to a serial abuser, right? And just somehow didn't know that it was happening, according mm-hmm. to what he said. And so, right. if we if we believe that he's telling the truth, it, we really need to ask ourselves: Is this someone who should be a shepherd? I mean, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's like if your sheep keep getting devoured by wolves, but you didn't see the wolves. How many times? I mean, you know, I, I don't understand why it would suddenly why it would make it all okay that he just didn't know,
0: right? Yeah, it's 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 almost impossible to not see it. He he goes in right. basically stating that Pope Francis's he says that Pope Francis's election basically freed McCarrick from all constraints and he felt free to travel, continuously give lectures and interviews. So this is he gets yeah, he basically gets into the part where Benedict is gone, Francis comes in and McCarrick feels like a free man. Right.
1: He Which also, again the press the press picked up on back in 2014.
0: Right. Um, why do you think why why was it not a thing in 2014 then? What what do you think about that?
1: Well, I think that part is the political part. So, I mean, McCarrick was obviously, I mean, is known for being, you know, liberal, and and Benedict was known for being conservative. And Benedict, you know, I mean, he didn't get along with most of the other cardinals. Right. Um, And so I think the idea was, well, he's gone, so now there's, you know, new people in power. I mean, if you look at the people who were kind of up and coming when Benedict was in office, if you're talking about American cardinals, obviously you have Cardinal Burke, Mm -hmm. um, Cardinal Chaput um, oh, sorry, Archbishop Chaput, he's not a cardinal, um, but, you know, he was looked to be on his way to being a cardinal. You had, um, uh, you know, Archbishop, uh, Cordelione in San Francisco, you know, you had kind of a, a more sort of conservative, I guess you could say, if you're, I mean, if you're just looking at, like, the divisions among groups, and then, you know, you had your kind of more liberal types that just didn't quite do as well under Benedict. And then once Francis gets in office, you know, that kind of reverses. And not mm-hmm. only do you have McCarrick back, but you also see, you know, important dioceses being handed to men like Blaise Cupich, and, or Supich, I think it's pronounced, mm-hmm. and, you know, people who are known for being more liberal. And, you know, that's totally separate from the issue of abuse. But, you know, you, you wouldn't necessarily bat an eye if you saw that, okay, people who were ideologically closer to the new pope are suddenly, you know,
0: thrust more, into positions more power, prominent yeah.
1: and, you know, more important once their man's in office. You know, I mean, that doesn't really mm-hmm. tell you anything.
0: Yeah. In Honduras, a scandal as huge as the one in Chile is about to be repeated. The Pope defends his man, Cardinal Mardiaga, to the bitter end, as he has done in Chile with Bishop de la Cruz Barros whom he himself had appointed bishop against the advice of Chilean bishops. First he insulted the abuse victims, then only when he was forced by the media and a revolt by the Chilean victims and faithful did he recognize his error and apologize, while stating that he had been misinformed, causing a disastrous situation for the church in Chile. Even in the the tragic affair of McCarrick, Pope Francis's behavior was no different. He knew from at least June 23, 2013, that McCarrick was a serial predator. Although he knew that he was a corrupt man, he covered for him to the bitter end. Indeed, he made McCarrick's advice his own, which was certainly not inspired by sound intentions and for love of the church. It was only when he was forced by the report of the abuse of a minor, again on the basis of media attention, that he took action to save his image from the media. Um. Yeah, it's. There's no. There's no uh punches being pulled here, and also. These. The the language is strong. But the accusations aren't. Deranged, right? These are, the the stuff in Honduras and Chile and the McCarrick stuff. This is all documented. So he's take he's not he's not necessarily like the story we read. I read just previously about the magazine cover inviting seminarians to McCarrick. Like that's not something that people, I know, but that's not something that people have heard. So, but there's, he's using these things that we've seen in the news, right? So he's not, he's not creating like complete random spectacles out of thin air. He's just using, he's using what we've seen and, yeah, it's uh, here's he his use of I, I don't mean to make light of the letter, but his use of bolds and italics and underlines are are pretty pretty fantastic.
1: It's well, yeah, I mean, he kind of adds emphasis to different parts on his own. Yeah, um,
0: I implore well, you know, everyone. once sec- this is a bold and underlined part. I implore everyone, especially bishops, to speak up in order to, f- to defeat this conspiracy of silence that is so widespread and to report the cases of abuse they know about to the media and civil authorities. So.
1: Right. You know. and I mean, I definitely agree. Again, reminding people to, you know, to come forward to law enforcement and in um, and the media and, and get it out there because, you know, now's the time to work through all of this. Mm-hmm. You know another aspect of this that doesn't really get mentioned is is money, so former Cardinal McCarrick was known for being an excellent fundraiser, and he had started oh, what yes. was called the papal Foundation absolutely which raised you know millions and millions of dollars for different causes and that's one of the ways that McCarrick was able to be so successful in the church was that you know I mean at the end of the day, the church is an organization it does have to have some money right so his ability to raise it was a strength and you know in, you know, in a perfect world, that would something we would need. You know, we would still need... We need funds and fundraisers and all of that. Um, And so, you know, I think as time goes on, we'll be hearing more about how the Papal Foundation plays into this, and uh, hopefully eventually like a full forensic investigation of of the Papal Foundation takes place... Sure. um, ...in order for it to be, you know, kind of just looked at top to bottom.
0: Well, you can see even in Los Angeles here with Cardinal Mahoney, he was all set to go speak in Salt Lake city, right? Thankfully, that, oh yeah, thankfully that didn't happen, but it, in the midst of all this, the Cardinal who was at the head of a $660 million lawsuit was about to go speak at a dinner to raise more money. So it, you're right. Like they, these, they're, they're, how do I put this? McCarrick, they there's a reason that they are able to get away with what they get away with because they are ultra charming, right? They can work a room like no other, and they can have you on their side with the snap of their finger, right? They do. Mm-hmm. These aren't these aren't socially awkward introverts who just kind of walk around with their hands in their pockets. These are guys that can make things happen, and so it's ob- it's of course because we are fallen creatures if we can excuse certain things if these guys are bringing in the money or if they're bringing people into the church, right? I again I, I don't want to excuse it, but it is sort of natural to look the other way if if the good times are rocking and rolling, right? Now right. Now the other thing is there's just horrific things happening on the other side, but that's that's why these men first of all are able to get away with what they get away with but why then they sustain this power is because they are just overwhelmingly charming and I I don't right and the other thing is that you can go sorry
1: well the other thing is that I mean you don't really want to you don't really want to think of anybody who's you know a bishop or I mean really even a priest but especially a bishop or a cardinal doing bad you know bad things right in general, you want to think that that the church is run by, you know, holy men, sure, and that you know the way that these people hold themselves out in public as being men of God, you really want to believe that that's true about them, and right. so you know I think that's kind of where you where you fall, and so yeah, I mean, and, and that's the the situation with Cardinal Mahoney needs to be looked at because he. I believe it was sanctioned as well. And so the fact that, you know, he was being advertised as the keynote
0: speaker in Salt Lake City, which that did I guess get terminated after uh a- after it leaked ap- after it made it into the news and everybody basically had a problem with it, right? That's when it was canceled. Yeah, I mean, I almost fell out
1: of my chair when I saw that. I mean, I just thought what what in the world how could this man be invited to Speak at something, and then especially just the timing of it all in the middle of this situation with McCarrick. So they need to figure out why is Cardinal Mahoney out giving speeches again. I mean, even though this one got canceled, why is you know why was he about to give a speech, and were sanctions lifted against him as well?
0: Yeah, I can't speak to that. I know I've heard stories because I'm I'm, you know, a few miles from St. Charles Borromeo where he was where he was pastor and where he, you know, was, he was even on the altar during masses, not, not celebrating mass, but just up on the altar for a long time until Archbishop Gomez took him off. But, or actually as I, I'm not, I can't confirm who took him off, but it, uh, I know that he's still, slightly active or has been up until recently in the community as far as interacting with parishioners and um, just kind of being a charming old man like get in the community i don't know what that actually has led to but i i mean he still definitely has his supporters in that area but yeah so it's right it's yeah i don't know it's just it's just one of those things that even, even when these men are sanctioned, how how sanctioned are they really? Because they will have their supporters and they will have people who will remember the actual good that they did do um, in the community, right? Because the, the only way right. the only way that McCarrick can get, could get away with doing so much evil was by doing a certain amount of good, right? It's this sticky, sticky situation that does not excuse by any means the atrocities. But, um, so yeah, so let's, you, here's the, here's the main part towards the end of the letter. This is the big, this is the big one.
1: Right. After making it clear that he, that, so the archbishop makes it clear that he personally told Pope Francis about McCarrick. Right. And that he did this in 2013, and so after making that statement, when he gets to the end of the letter, um, you know, I mean, he's pretty heavy-handed in dealing with the Pope, and he makes this statement. He says, Pope Francis must be the first to set a good example for cardinals and bishops who covered up McCarrick's abuses and resign along with all of them. Right. So, as far as I know, this is totally unprecedented for, um, you know, an archbishop to make a... You know, a pretty solid accusation against the pope and call for his resignation. Right. Um, you saw people being kind of dramatic about Pope Benedict. Um, you know, like Father James Martin says. You know, he almost jumped off the balcony or whatever after he saw it. Or I can't remember some of the weird statements people made. But you didn't see people calling for him to resign. Sure. Um, you know, so that that's pretty. At the you know just factually, it's it's pretty. Unheard of. Okay. Well, yeah, he
0: doesn't. He doesn't. He, he his language is strong throughout. I mean, he's Francis is abdicating the mandate which Christ gave to Peter to confirm the brethren. Indeed, by his action, he has divided them, led them into error, and encouraged the wolves to continue to tear apart the sheep of Christ's flock. It's yeah. This is. I I hope for his sake that this was well thought out because again the language is very strong and it is there's no way to misinterpret it.
1: Right. What, um, you know what I mean? I'll just kind of go on record and say, I do not personally agree with the call for Pope Francis to resign.
0: Yeah, no, I, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier today when we were talking on the phone, but I, I also, I do not think that Pope Francis should resign. i Basically, if 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 he resigns, then we'll have three men who are alive that are called pope or pope emeritus, right? And mm-hmm. that's not that's not at all something we want. We don't necessarily even want the situation we are in now, right? Because it's all we're, the situation. Thankfully, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth is not as schismatic or is not inviting it because that can easily happen, right? If you're in a situation like we are now. Um, right. Well, I mean, yeah, just, just that level, just having these Pope Emeritus'
1: running around. I guess it would be Pope emeritai. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, we're very fortunate that at least with, with Benedict, he just kind of stays in his house and he, he gives very rare... Mostly vague statements about anything.
0: Sure. He'll do nothing except his
1: own decency stopping him from running around saying outrageous things. Oh, yeah. You know, because he's no longer, by no longer being the Pope, he's no longer, you know, has the graces of that office, okay? Right. He could start a schism in five minutes, you know? Right. By making claims against Pope Francis by doing anything. But but he doesn't because he's a decent person. And, you know, I, I mean, Francis seems to be a decent person too. But we don't really want to have more people who were the Pope and still dress like the Pope and still answer to your holiness but are not the Pope wandering around, you know? I mean, it just is asking for trouble.
0: Right. Can I take you back in history? Zach, can we do a quick... Roman Circus history lesson here on the podcast? Yes. Let's do it. I'm going to take you back just over 600 years ago to the year 1378, okay? And it's called the Western Schism. Okay. Okay? Pope Gregory XI died in 1378, and the Romans rioted to ensure election of a Roman, but when no viable Romans were presented, the college elected Urban the 6th, okay? He was a reformist and he had a violent temper, and many of the cardinals instantly regretted it. They removed themselves from Rome and went and elected Clement the 7th, who established his papal court in central Italy, all right? Now, up until then, rival factions had elected anti-popes, but this time, leaders of the church had elected both the pope and the anti-pope, and the schism started and continued. At one point, point, this was uh, after the pope had died and another pope had been elected, the Cardinals actually offered to refrain from electing a new Pope. If, and if now anti Pope Benedict the 13th resigned. So we're, we're past the original Pope and anti Pope and we're into multiple, like a line of now anti Popes. So if mm-hmm. anti Pope Benedict the 13th resigned, they would refrain from immediately electing a new Pope, but he didn't. So they elected Pope Innocent Seventh. There was a suggestion of ending this whole thing via council, but only a pope can call a council. So that's where it created the trouble for who they thought the real pope was. Finally, anti-Pope Benedict XIII and now Pope Gregory XII agreed to meet, but at the last second they didn't, Zach. A council was finally held hmm. in 1409, the Council of Piso, where they attempted to depose both the pope and anti-pope as schismatics, heretics, and scandalous. But they added to the problem by electing a third pope, anti-pope Alexander V, who lasted one
1: year. Wait, so they had a meeting. There were two
0: possible popes, and they had a meeting to fix that. And when they left, there were three? They left with a third pope, Anti-Pope Alexander V, who lasted a year and was succeeded by Anti-Pope John XXIII, which, as you will recall, John XXIII was used as a name by actual Pope John XXIII, which, by the way, brings into... They, they debated whether or not John the 23rd should use that name and he used it. So now that whole, that that's confusing on which Pope, not which Pope was which valid wise, but Mm -hmm. the name of the Pope, but okay. Finally, Mm -hmm. 1414 anti-Pope John the 23rd calls a council at Constance and it was endorsed by Pope Gregory the 12th to make it legitimate. Both anti-Pope John the 23rd and Pope Gregory the 12th resigned and they excommunicated anti-Pope Benedict Thirteenth, who refused to step down. Pope Martin V was elected in 1417 to end the schism. The crown of Aragon was was still stubborn. This was like one of the anti-Pope factions. So they elected anti-Pope mm-hmm. Benedict XIV, then Clement Eighth. Clement Eighth resigned in 1429 and recognized Martin V as Pope and that was gregory so gregory the 12th was the last papal recognition before resignation before benedict the 16th so we've had this situation before where there now i'm not i'm not comparing the two but i'm saying this in history we can look to see how how quickly things can unravel once you have multiple people referred to as pope right this was this was a almost 40 year or 4 I'll, a little over 40 year endeavor that started off with two popes at one point had three popes. Each of them had their own following sacred college of cardinals and administrative offices. That sounds expensive, right? So basically we are, should be very thankful that Benedict does not speak out wildly because these things, these things can happen. Um, and it has happened. I don't. I. I, I don't know how relevant. I mean, but just imagine if he did. I mean, just just
1: think about how easy it would be for him to just wave his hands and start talking, and what could happen. Oh well, he would for better or for worse. He would be I mean, celebrated probably it. worse. And the likelihood of something like that happening, of a schism happening, is going to increase exponentially if there are now two popemeritae floating around you know right
0: because here's the okay here's the thing that I had thought about when I was kind of mulling this over before before we recorded okay mm-hmm we have to have this is this is the perfect time to have papal detachment if that's if that's not a term that has been coined then we're coining it here okay okay Papal detachment. Papal detachment. The Holy Spirit is in control, right? Although sometimes it does not appear that way because our small brains can't wrap our minds around it, the Holy Spirit is in control, right? Right. The Pope is a position that should be honored, okay? But one of the drawbacks that we've had, I'm going to go into a uh, Kanye West slash good tweet, man, we live in a society moment here right now. Mm-hmm. But one of the drawbacks of the 24 the hour media or these celebrated, um, Pope papal visits, which I'm not against. I'm just saying when the Pope goes to these giant stadiums with all this fanfare is it creates instant celebrity and a cult of personality. Right. And then the Pope, instead of the chair of Peter becomes a symbol for how we think. If we love the Pope, he walks on water. If we don't, he's a fraud, right? But the Pope is the Pope. He's nothing more and nothing less than a man who was elected in the line of unbroken chain that started with Peter. He's a man who can err. He's a man whose good actions are not to be worshipped, but whose bad actions are not to be excused, right? So if we live in accordance with the truth... That means we always need to look at these things through the lens of truth. And if it's even if it's a truth we like, or it's a truth we don't like, even if it's a truth from someone we don't like, or it's a truth from someone we like, you know, I'm speaking in terms of news sources, right? Whether it's Beans or whether it's uh, J.D. Flynn, right? The, truth, it, right? the truth is the only thing. So... That's when we look at this situation, we all we all have opinions about the pope. It's just natural. It's not like we all know he's the pope, right? And we all but we all have opinions on certain things, but we have to look at it through the lens of what is actually happening. And we shouldn't be scared to let the truth happen because it doesn't reflect on us. What happens with Pope Francis does not mean that his Uh, supporters are bolstered or that his detractors are mocked and made fun of. It just, whatever happens is what happens. And that's, that's when looking at this whole situation, that's the mindset we have to have because it, that's basically what I'm saying. I think papal detachment is right. He, and the church isn't, the Pope isn't even the, defining figure or defining thing of the church the church is the church i know i'm using a lot of the blank is the blank but that's kind of what it is so that's what i think right
1: that, i mean at the end of the day our faith isn't dependent upon the the virtue of whoever happens to be the pope at that time right. and the 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 catholic religion doesn't become more true if we have a really good pope and less true if we have a bad pope. right and so you know if it turns out that um you know pope francis was aware of all of this and turned a blind eye or he continued to in whatever if the worst possible scenario is true that doesn't mean that the catholic religion is is False. right it doesn't mean that God has abandoned the church it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not still in control um you know it it, it doesn't revoke any of the promises that our lord made to the church uh it, it just means that that this particular person has done something very
0: wrong right and it but that's i mean and it and it is what it is it's not we shouldn't go out of our way to I we shouldn't go out of our way to defend Pope Francis unnecessarily, just like we shouldn't go out of our way to, like, heap a lot more things onto him, right? Like we – it. so – Right. I mean, it, he personally – so the, a, a quick follow-up is
1: that there was an interview on a plane back from Ireland today, and he was just asked point blank if he knew, and he asked about this testimony and he, he flat said he wasn't going to say anything about it and he just recommends people read it right so as he has not chosen to defend himself it, it doesn't really make sense for us to try to defend him against this accusation that's fair. because you know he would need to do so first currently the only person who's spoken on it and put themselves out there is saying that he did know nobody has refuted that yet and he's been given a chance to pope francis has been given a chance to refute it and he did not refute it so um no he didn't confirm it either right full disclosure but he he didn't deny so i don't think we should be denying it on his behalf we should we should wait
0: and see um right also the other part of why i don't want pope francis to resign zach and i think you agree with me on this is if we have a bunch of bad cardinals running around. We don't want those cardinals voting on another pope. Right? So it's not Right. Like the I I I tweeted this earlier. I don't think that we will get Cardinal Sarah as the next Pope with these Cardinals. Like everyone wants a Pope like someone like Cardinal Sarah to come in and swooping swooping in to save the church. But I call me negative, but I don't think in this time, it's going to happen.
1: Well, the thing is, is that there's all this filth going on in the church. There would be something that went on, and maybe Cardinal Sarah, you know, this new pope doesn't doesn't deal with it perfectly right away, mm-hmm. or it's questionable. And but you know, him being as conservative as he is, he'd have you know the whole world media establishment against him, as well as all the academics and most of the cardinals and yada yada. And I mean, it would just be a, it would just become another dumpster fire, right? So uh, I mean, again, like I, I just don't think. The solution, the person who's going to save the church is not going to be Cardinal Sarah. It's not going to be Cardinal Burke. It's not going to be, um, you know, Bishop Snyder. The the person who's going to save the church is is Jesus Christ and his Holy Mother. And it's not going to be through, it's not going to be from the outcome of a conclave. Right. You know, there's not going to be Superman, Pope. Elected, that's going to come save all of us. It just, that isn't going to happen. That's part of the cult of
0: personality thing that I was talking about. Like we, I I think that the church is, I think the church is being saved right now. It doesn't look like it, but I think these are all the makings of saving the church, right? Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a purifying fire. Sure. So I think even if the worst case scenario is true and, and Pope Francis knew all about this stuff and did what he did, I I say that he admits it and he apologizes and he, he does public penance and he imposes penance on all of the bishops and cardinals and he stays in office and he cleans up the church. And you know, that's, that's what I think. Uh, Obviously, you know, I'm not going to suddenly become Holy Roman emperor and able to actually enforce that. Mm -hmm. But that is the Zach Mabry suggestion. If the worst case scenario ends up being true, not not another pope emeritus,
0: holy, holy Roman circus emperor Mabry. Yes, Roman circus. Emperor. Yeah, yeah, no, I go. think that's that's. Um, I, I mean, we we see all this stuff and all this disgusting these allegations, these disgusting things that cardinals have, and we have the idea we just want all of them to resign. And I, I mean, I sympathize with that as well. But it's just these. I mean, it's such a such a wild mess that all the, any any possible outcome is going to have ramifications, right? So it's basically just about finding the one that has the least, the best impact for the church, and the least like chaotic impact, I guess. Right, and you know, if a pope's been been caught
1: in a bad situation, but you know he's uh, he's come forward, he's, he's acknowledged it and apologized and doing penance and, you know, concerned about his own salvation. That's going to be somebody who actually cleans up the church, not somebody who's narrowly trying to avoid a big scandal oh, sure. that causes them to have to resign. Right. And so, you know, that's why I, I just don't see the resignation thing. Um, you know, the other thing I think is just having a, a mindset with all this. So, um Without naming names or pointing fingers, because I'm not really referring to anyone specifically, I'm kind of talking in general. Something happened in the 20th century that made it to where, basically, to get ahead in any any large entity, whether you're talking about a, a government, a corporation, the church, etc., it, it, something happened where it's basically required that you're a psychopath. Okay. And non-psychopaths just don't really make it that far in... In the current world, and this this is basically applied all across the civilized world. Pretty much since the, the at least throughout the twentieth century and to, to and through to today. Sure, there isn't going to be somebody that's like prominent in an organization that doesn't have scandals, mistakes, things. I mean, this is just part of being human, but especially again, just the situation of the civilized world in the last hundred years, I, I don't really know exactly what you can trace it back to. There were obviously a lot of just crazy ideas in the 20th century and, you know, everything with Freud and the reaction of Freud and all the, you know, the weird philosophies and modernism and stuff. But, but basically, you know, if you're going to be president of a country or prime minister, or governor or anything, for some reason, it's just a prerequisite that you have to just be a complete psychopath. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, you know, sociopath as well i mean just i, I don't know so again like I, I just wouldn't hang your hat on any prominent leader of anything
0: i mean that sounds bad no that's and negative that's but detachment that's what we were talking about is they you take them for what they are you live in reality with what they are if they're if they are in reality doing something good then that that's a good thing and if they're in reality doing something bad then that's a bad thing right we have to be able to see everything clearly for what it truly is.
1: Yeah. And so what that kind of leads me to say is it's going to be similar to basically what you saw with when the Me Too movement came to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Now that it's kind of getting to the church is I would just go ahead and get the mindset that this stuff is bad and it's worse than we currently are aware of. And that lots and lots and lots of people knew about it and did nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you just kind of take that as a given, I think it will be easier to stomach the next, Several months, right? Because I I really don't think it's going to get. I mean, I'm certain it's going to get worse before it gets better, and um, and this kind of filth again. It's beyond politics. It's not a liberal thing, a conservative thing, a trad thing. Like it's it's all over. Sure. There's. I have heard stories about well-known bishops who say the Latin Mass, who have propositioned priests. Uh, I, I mean, you know, just to say I'm not just, it's not just a cliche that this is left, right, and trad. This is not something that you can say, oh, my little tribe in the church, or my my little segment of, of the world doesn't have this problem. The, this problem is widespread. Right. And and has been for years. So you, you can't exempt yourself from all of this chaos by saying, oh, I'm I'm part of this club. Like, if you're going to be in the church, you're going to be um, proximate to these scandals for now. And that's just basically the,
0: that's the situation. Right. And as we, we said, what, two, three weeks ago, that it, it's not fair. It's not fair at all. We, uh, we were not the ones who did it, but we are going to be the ones that take the brunt of it. We're, we're, not, we're not the ones who set up the baseball bats, but the baseball bats are going to hit us, basically. They're going to keep swinging and hitting us, but that's just what we have to do. It's- right, and you, sorry, if you can go,
1: well, I mean, you're just you're already seeing that, I mean, you know, look at Liz Brunig is getting all these people attacking her for being Catholic, right. despite all this stuff, um, you know you have I mean you know nobody said anything to me, but you've got prominent people who are actually you know prominent, like real you know Elizabeth writes for Washington post, you have people that write for big publications or fam- they're taking a hit for all sure. this, you know, and they they didn't didn't molest anybody they didn't they didn't know about this stuff and and they're just wanting to be catholic because they want you know to spend eternity with god um and you know people are saying why aren't you quitting why aren't you and this kind of goes back to the mindset we talked about this like american notion of of you have to secede you have to you know cut yourself off from whatever's unclean and start your own thing you know people don't understand why people are staying catholic and you know that's an injustice i mean You know, nobody is saying that these mean comments are comparable to the abuse that abuse victims suffered, but at the same time, you know, it is, again, sort of an injustice inflicted by the hierarchy on the laity that members of the laity who are public figures are getting attacked like this. Um, Right,
0: and the idea that we have to sit out here and take all of it while McCarrick gets sentenced to a life of seclusion and prayer and penance, right? So he he has to do all this stuff, and he can actually be away from any of the blowback while we have to sit here and take the blowback for him. Right. Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, yeah, man. It's, uh, it kind of makes me a little upset, to be honest, but hey, that's... Uh, we have to be willing to do it.
1: Right. And, you know, I mean, we, I think we all just need to be be praying for each other and checking in with each other mm-hmm. and encouraging each other. Cause you know, we've got, we've got to keep going and it's, it's never easy. It's never been easy to be Catholic. It's never been easy to be faithful, but you know, this is a particularly rough time and you know, I think that, that everybody's kind of having to deal with it differently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, some people that maybe had a natural distrust of like institutions in general, you know, maybe aren't having as hard of a time of it or people who already kind of knew that it was bad, you know, are kind of like, oh, see, you know, vindication. But at the end of the day, like this harms everybody. Right. And, and for some people, I think it's really shaking their faith. And, you know, I, I I think that it, it's, it would be completely arrogant to somehow just exempt yourself from the possibility that this impacts your faith. So, you know i think everyone we need to be praying you know to be strengthened in the faith praying the rosary praying for each other checking in with each other encouraging each other because this is rough and it's going to get
0: worse oh yeah before it gets better but you know we do know that it gets better of course my one final thing i thought of that i want i you can you can tell me if this is a little too blunt but i think it i think it works this is if maybe it's the worst pep talk in the history of mankind, but I think it is helpful and relevant to the two of us, Zach and Matt. I know I don't know how much we've said it on the podcast or what but you know we we kind of are miffed when people talk about ushering the church into a new age or changing the church or like advancing the church. Like we're somehow more special now than we were the 2,000 previous years of the church, right? We always kind of wonder Mm -hmm. why we're not not any special now than any other time in the history of the church. Along those lines, we're not special enough to be the era that brings down the church, right? The church is going to last forever. And I know in the moment it seems amazingly horrendous and incredibly insane but this era this moment in time right now is not special enough to completely undo 2000 years of history and it's like I said it's kind of blunt and I don't know how enthusiastic and how great that sounds but when you stop and think about it it helps Maybe just a little to realize that things things are the way they are now, but they will not be this way forever. And the church will get stronger. It's not going to end. And that's that's, that's all I wanted to say. Was that okay, Zach? Do I have to edit that out?
1: No. Keep that. Yeah. No. That that was good. You know, couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. Um, We you know where god picks out a time period for us that's most conducive to our salvation right and and so you know if you're alive today it's because it's because that's where god placed you and and with the idea that your salvation is most attainable now and not any other time period so right the reason we're
0: know. the reason we are going through this is because we were born when we were born that's all it is and we uh, right, and we're we have as equal a shot to make it to heaven as everybody else has, and everybody else has had. Yep,
1: and the rules for getting into heaven haven't changed, the sacraments haven't changed, um, you know the the essential elements of the faith haven't changed. It, it's a rough moment for the church, and I think that that does a lot of damage to souls. Um, but the means of salvation are still available. And you know, like we've said, everything about the faith has been written down for centuries, so you don't even you don't even have to sit and worry too much about current stuff happening because right. the faith that was practiced a hundred years ago is the same faith we have today, so you can just pick up a book from then and, and focus on that. You know, I mean you you don't have to stay waist deep in all this stuff. Um, especially if it's if it's impacting your your prayer life or your faith.
0: Right. And stay going to mass. I know that it's tempting to not want to go, but keep going because if we don't go, the monsters win. And if you don't feel like going on Sunday, go Sunday and Wednesday Fight through. Right,
1: you know and that's the thing is it's, it's so tempting when you're confronted with these horrible crimes committed by men in the hierarchy to start writing yourself permission slips to you know to not be a good Catholic, because well, if, if these guys if they can't even follow you know the most basic tenets of of both the divine and just the civil law right why should i have to go to mass if i'm tired <laughs> or why should i have to you yeah. know at, at the end of the day it, that's that's a real temptation that you can face and you know don't do it you know just remind yourself that you're working out your salvation and and god's going to take care of of these wicked men hopefully in this life you know we don't want we don't want, you know, hell to win any souls. Mm-hmm. Right? right? We don't want anybody in hell because that means that, that God lost a soul. You know, that God didn't doesn't have that soul praising him for all eternity. Sure. So even even the worst person, we don't want you know, we don't want hell to get any any victories. Absolutely. So hopefully and and God will take care of them. So, you know, you gotta kinda of focus on you, especially during these times. You know, salvation is kind of a, a me first thing you know you got to get your mask on you know if the plane the masks drop you you got to get your mask on before you help someone else with theirs you know focus on that you know get to confession get to mass say your rosary
0: it's the only time I will allow anyone to legitimately say you do you that's the that's the only time you are allowed to say it when it comes to your soul you do you and then also help others I guess I don't know exactly all right Zach that's about an hour I don't know what else we can say but we had to say something I hope that you all who are listening find some sort of comfort out of this if you don't then you can message us and yell at us if you want Um, yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a while so hunker in and get ready but luckily luckily we're all here for each other and we can all help each other through this um i'm i'm very glad
1: the church isn't going anywhere we're not going anywhere um you know pray for us and, and know that we're praying for you right
0: i went to a picnic today a church picnic and everyone was laughing and having a great time so these things these things happen but we the people the church will power through Yes, we will. All right, gang. We will talk to you soon. See ya.